the 1990s, millions of Christian teenagers in our country and around the world were captured by a simple question. What would Jesus do? This question, what would Jesus do, WWJD, became more of a movement than a catchphrase or slogan. The popularity of WWJD spread and was put on wristbands and bumper stickers and t-shirts and there was even a movie released a DVD in 2010 titled WWJD. And we know and understand the question, what would Jesus do, uh, was designed to get us to stop and think about what would Jesus do before we make a decision. The obvious goal is to encourage us to make the same decision Jesus would make if Jesus were in our shoes. WWJD was a reminder to Christ followers calling us to focus on our responsibility to live as Jesus lived and love as Jesus loved. It's great to remind people they don't have all the answers to life's questions. It's great to challenge people to stop and consider what Jesus would do when making a decision. And it's great to encourage people to actually make the same decision Jesus would make. There were many positive things that took place in and around the WWJD movement. This movement continues today, though with much less fanfare. With that being said, there are a couple of concerns with the popularity of WWJD. One is simply a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding. Jesus is not just a good example for us to follow. Jesus is the risen and exalted Savior. Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the soon and coming King. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one enters a relationship with God except by faith and trust in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is much more than just an example for us to follow. The second concern is a misapplication. Somewhere, the WWJD wristbands as a charm to bring them good luck. Somewhere, the WWJD wristbands because everybody else is doing it. Somewhere, the WWJD wristbands and have no idea what Jesus would do, nor do they care to know what Jesus would do. They just go ahead and do what they would do, which is not what Jesus would do. Thankfully, all we have to do, if we want to know what Jesus would do, is read what Jesus has said. See, Jesus' words matched Jesus' walk. Jesus' words matched his walk. Jesus, for example, said, give and it will be given to you. 
A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many on the cross of Calvary. The many includes us by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus told us what he would do by what he shared with us in his word. Jesus' words matched Jesus' walk. And I'm starting a new series this morning titled, What Did Jesus Say? What did Jesus say? In our series, we are going to study some of the teachings of Jesus. And we are going to, in studying these teachings found in the Gospels, we will find ourselves encouraged to do what Jesus would do and to help others do what Jesus would do as we learn more and more about what Jesus has said to us in his word. So let's get started this morning uh, on our journey together uh, in this new sermon series. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we will begin the gospel account written by Matthew. Chapter 4, as you're turning there, begins with Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit of God into the wilderness where Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. After Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, the scriptures tell us Satan the tempter came and tempted Jesus. Satan did what he always does. He tempted Jesus. Satan tempted Jesus because he wanted to keep Jesus from obeying God's plan for his life, which was to open the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by Jesus' perfect life, perfect death, and resurrection. And so we know that Jesus resisted each temptation from Satan by simply quoting scripture. He quoted Old Testament scripture, which is a great model for us to follow. We'll pick up in Matthew 4, now that you've made your way there. In verse 12, when Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth behind and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the sea road beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light for those living in the shadow land of death. Light has dawned. And so we see here Uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So let's walk through what's happened here. As Jesus left the wilderness after uh, that time of temptation, after the Holy Spirit came and ministered to him, he heard John the Baptist had been arrested by Herod Antipas, who was the ruler over the area of Galilee. John the Baptist was arrested because John the Baptist had publicly ridiculed Herod Antipas for the reality that Herod had divorced his wife so that he could marry the ex-wife of one of his own very own brothers. John the Baptist was later beheaded at the birthday party of Herod Antipas. And so we see after that event, we see the scripture says Jesus left Nazareth and he went to Capernaum by the sea, which is in Galilee. 
Capernaum by the sea is in the area of Galilee. It is in the land of Naphtali and Zebulon. In the region in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali. Zebulon and Naphtali were two of the twelve tribes of Israel who received portions of land when the Israelites were led by Joshua to take possession of the promised land years and years and years before. And so we see the folks who were living in the land, the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, they were living in darkness. If you look down in verse 16, the people who live in darkness, what Isaiah the prophet was prophesying about what he had said in the Old Testament and that Matthew had brought into the New Testament was simply this. These Israelites in the Old Testament lived along the road, the travel route up in the northern part of Israel where the Gentile nations, the pagan Gentile nations would make their way down into the area of Israel where they would come to raid, oppress, and overtake the Israelites which we see that happened all throughout the Old Testament. And so the folks there who lived in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, the folks who lived in the area of Capernaum by the sea, in the Galilee area, they had lived in darkness. They had struggled, struggled mightily in their history because of their location and the access the Gentile nations, the pagan Gentile nations had to Israel through their area. But now we see Matthew brought into the New Testament because he is now saying the prophecy from Isaiah in the Old Testament is now these Israelites living in this area of Galilee, these Israelites living in this very same area, now in the New Testament are going to be blessed because they're going to be able to see the light dawning. They're going to be able to see the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. Capernaum in the area of Galilee, was the base of ministry for Jesus in the area of Galilee. And so we see Jesus began his ministry, his earthly ministry, in God's time from God's place there in Capernaum in the area of Galilee. Now I want to identify two quick points. In verse 15, notice Isaiah said, Galilee of the Gentiles. What does that mean? It means simply this. There were many Jews and Gentiles living in the area of Galilee. Galilee was a very populated area at this point in time. Many Jews and Gentiles were living there. We know why the Jews were living there because that was their promised land. There were many Gentiles living there for a couple of reasons. One reason there were many Gentiles living there was because Galilee was located in northern Israel, still is, located in northern Israel, and it was in close proximity to what we've already talked about, the pagan nations around them. It bordered many nations around them, and it was in close proximity to these nations whose people would leave their homeland and resettle down in the area of Galilee. Second reason there were many Gentiles living in this area was because the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali did not drive out the Canaanites like God said to do when they took possession of the promised land years and years and years before. So what that made was in the area of Galilee, a large population, a huge number of people, Jews and Gentiles alike. Notice in verse 16, Paul, uh, Jesus uh, here in this passage, 
passage, we see Isaiah said, the light has dawned. Light has dawned. He even said, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. Light has dawned for the Israelites, is what Isaiah is prophesying here about that Matthew is telling us is happening right now at this point in time. Light has dawned. Jesus, the promised and prophesied Messiah from the Old Testament, had come. Jesus, the light of the world, started his earthly ministry right there in Capernaum in the area of Galilee. Light has dawned. I want you to understand, light has dawned for you and for me in this passage as well. When Isaiah the prophet prophesied about this, when Matthew included this in his gospel account, he was not just talking about the Israelites. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. Light had dawned for us. Light has dawned in Jesus Christ because you see, Jesus started his earthly ministry here in the Galilee area and he fulfilled his earthly ministry, which was to provide us with the opportunity to know God by way of his perfect life, death, and resurrection. And so we understand light has dawned for us in this passage as well. The reality, the truth that light has dawned in Jesus Christ is cause for us to celebrate. It's cause for us to celebrate because we know and understand since Jesus has come, we have help, we have hope, we have forgiveness of sins, and we have victory in Jesus Christ because the ministry he began here in Galilee, he ultimately fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. The tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and we know the light has dawned for us today as well. And so we understand the close proximity of all these other pagan nations around the area of Galilee, along with the large number of Jews and Gentiles living in the Galilee area, that is around the Sea of Galilee, made it the perfect place for Jesus Christ to start his earthly ministry. It's the perfect place. For him to start his earthly ministry. This reminds us God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. That means God is our all-knowing God. God knows what he's doing. Amen? Say that with me. God knows what he's doing. One more time. God knows what he's doing. God always has and God always will. He knows what he's doing. Why? Because he is the omnipotent God. He is the all-knowing God. God knew exactly what he was doing when he sent Jesus to earth. God knew exactly what he was doing when he called Jesus to launch his earthly ministry from the area of Galilee. God knows exactly what he's doing by having you and me here this very morning. You see, God has us here on purpose, not by accident. God knows what he's doing. He has us here. We are in the perfect place at the perfect time to hear his perfect truth because he is continuing his work in us and his his work through us. His work in us and his work through us is designed for our good, others gain, and his glory. And so we know God is at work in us. He knows what he's doing in your life and he knows what he's doing in my life. He knows exactly why he has us here this morning. For those of us who do not yet have a relationship with him by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is working in you right now, drawing you closer and closer to faith and trust in him. For those of us who do have a relationship with him by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, God is continuing his work in us this very morning 
helping us to become more like Jesus so that we can be a more effective witnesses for Jesus as God sends us out to minister to those he places around us this week. So we know he's at work. This is a perfect place for us to be. There's no better place for you to be than right here this very morning. Isn't that awesome to know? There's no better place. No better place. No matter how tempted you may have been when you heard the rain this morning. And you thought, ooh, it would be good to stay in the bed. No better place to be than right here at this very moment. Let's continue on. From then on, in verse 17, Matthew 4, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. From then on, that means the earthly ministry of Jesus had started. Jesus began to preach. What does that mean? It tells us that Jesus preached God's truth. Jesus proclaimed God's truth. That's why Jesus came to earth. He came to earth to rescue us from our sins. Rescue us from our sins included preaching and proclaiming God's truth. The first truth Jesus preached. The first truth Jesus proclaimed as he began his earthly ministry is real simple. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. In this sermon, in verse 17, we see a command and the reason for the command. The command, let's take first. It's real simple. Repent. Repent is the command. Repent is a present active imperative. That means it's a command for us to obey every day, all through the day. It's not just a suggestion for us to consider and think about. It's a command for us to obey every day, all through the day. Repent means to turn around. It means to change your mind. Repent involves a complete and total change. We're living one way and we totally repent and change and we now begin to live another way. Repent means to turn from your sin and turn to the Savior Jesus. Repent means to stop living your way and start living God's way. Repent signals a change on the inside of us that is total and complete. It is a change on the inside of us that is seen on the outside of us. Repent is what we do as we receive God's gift of salvation, but we place our faith in Christ Jesus. Repent is what we do as followers of Jesus day by day as we turn from our sin, confess them to God, and continue living for Jesus Christ. Repent is the preaching, the teaching point, the command in this first sermon from Jesus. Repent. The reason for the command is Jesus has come near. Jesus has come near. That's the reason for the command. Jesus has come near. Repentance is a must for us, but we can't repent on our own. Which is why the kingdom of heaven has come near. Follow me. Repentance is a must for us, but we can't repent on our own. Which is why the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near to us in Jesus Christ. The light has dawned. The Savior has come. Jesus has come to rescue us from our sins. The point that Matthew was sharing with us here in the New Testament is the same truth that was focused in on the Old Testament. And that is simply this. What we need to understand is we were once like these Israelites. We once lived in darkness. We once lived in the darkness 
darkness of our sin. We were separated from God because of our sin against God. But God lovingly shined the light of Jesus Christ into our lives. God opened our minds to understand the truth about Jesus. God opened our minds to understand Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He defeated sin and death for us by way of his life, death, and resurrection. We know that God opened our minds to understand the good news of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again on the third day. This is the good news of the gospel. And we understand we are saved by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Understand, faith involves repentance, and repentance involves faith. We repent from our sins. We turn around. We have a complete change on the inside that is seen on the outside. We change our minds and our lives because God has revealed to us the greatness of His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. And in light of Jesus Christ and His greatness and His sacrifice to us, our response is to receive Him. That receiving happens as we repent of our sins. Believe in Him. Receive Him. So Savior your Lord. This is exactly what Mark talked about in his gospel. Turn to your right to the gospel of Mark. Mark is the next gospel after Matthew. Real quick, real quick. Mark chapter 1 he agreed with Matthew. He said basically the same thing, a little different, but basically the same truth. It is the same truth. He just changed it and put a little spin according to his audience that he was speaking and preaching and teaching. Uh, and we see Mark said this. Mark recorded these words. After John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went to Galilee, we know that, preaching the good news of God. Here's the, Jesus said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. Listen. We know, as we look in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is where God reigns and rules. God reigns and rules in us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. There is a literal kingdom of heaven on earth that is to come where God will reign and rule for all eternity, but that is still yet to come. And so we see and understand here in this passage, in Matthew's gospel, it's confirmed in Mark's gospel, we see and understand this simple reality that the light has dawned. Jesus, the Savior, has come. He has come. We now believe in the good news of the gospel. Jesus died, was buried. Jesus rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and me. We believe faith in Jesus is the only way for us to enter into a relationship with God. And so we repent from our sins, we confess them to God, and we receive God's gift of salvation by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus' message was first to repent because we must first repent. That's why his first sermon, his first message, his first point was repent. Because that's what we must do first. So I want us to identify a few points about this message to repent. We understand now the background to this passage. We understand the meaning of this sermon, this command, the reason why. Now let's look at 
a few points about this command to repent. Number one, repent was the command. Repent was the message. Repent was the teaching of Jesus. Repent was the message of Jesus. Now, we've just covered this, so let's move to our second point. Repent was the message of John the Baptist. Repent was the message of John the Baptist. Turn to your left, Matthew chapter 3. Turn to your left, Matthew chapter 3. You may not even need to turn in your Bible, depending on how big it is. Matthew chapter 3, in verse 1. In those days, Matthew writes, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, say that with me. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus. John went before Jesus and he called people to repent of their sins, specifically to repent of their sin of unbelief and to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus, to follow Jesus by faith. John the Baptist was actually the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah The Old Testament prophet had prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before this point about one who was to come before Jesus. If you turn to your left, Isaiah chapter 40, real quick, jot that down. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Here's what Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Isaiah, hundreds of years before, was talking about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Making a straight way for Jesus to come. In Bible times, one of the things that would happen with with kings and dignitaries is they would, uh, before entering a city, they would send some servants ahead of them. And the servants went ahead of the king uh, and their job, their task was to go ahead into the city and prepare the way, get rid of all the obstacles, make a straight path so that the king could then make his grand arrival into the city. And so what we see here is Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And what we see is John the Baptist went before Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus and proclaiming the truth about Jesus. John the Baptist went before Jesus and he was saying, in essence, listen, you need to get rid of the obstacles in your life. You need to get rid of the unbelief, the sin in your life. You need to understand the Savior is coming. Get ready so that you can receive the Savior when he comes, so that you can receive Jesus by faith and follow him by faith. He went before Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus, proclaiming the truth about Jesus. Repent was the message of Jesus. Repent was the message of John the Baptist. Repent, number three, was the message of Peter. We know the Gospels tell us that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and then he died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. After he died, they took him down and they put him in the tomb. And he was buried in the tomb. On the third day, Jesus rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. Jesus then spent 40 days. He spent those 40 days appearing to his disciples and followers. And he was helping them to understand and know he was alive. He was who he says he was. He did what he said he would do. And he continued teaching them and reminding them of the truth that he had been sharing with them prior to his crucifixion. And Jesus then ascended into heaven just like he said he would. And shortly thereafter, we know 
God sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples there at Pentecost in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God empowered the disciples to proclaim the truth of God. The Holy Spirit of God empowered the disciples to be witnesses for God. The same is true for you and me today. The Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the truth about God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. So Peter then, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, preached the first sermon in the book of Acts, there in the first church in Jerusalem. Peter preached the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and God moved and people responded. And we find this in Acts chapter 2. Look what's going on in Acts chapter 2. Turn there. This is so good. I want you to turn there. I'll give you just a second to turn to Acts chapter 2. This is such a powerful passage. So beautiful. The truth that's unfolding here. We know that Peter has preached the first sermon. We know the topic. It's the same topic of John the Baptist. The same topic of Jesus. It is simply the gospel. The good news the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which opens a way for us to know God by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we see that God's Holy Spirit moved there in Jerusalem. People responded in verse 37, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 37. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Say that with me. Pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? What was happening? The people who heard Peter's sermon were convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit of God who pierced their heart with conviction and in response to the truth of God's word, in response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in response to the reality that Jesus is the Savior, these people said, what must we do to be saved? Tell us what must we do? And Peter responded in verse 38. And look what he said. Repent! Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, it was a simple message. It was a simple answer. Peter said, what must you do to be saved? Repent. Repent there biblically means turn from your sin and turn to the Savior, Jesus. It means change your direction. It means believe in and receive Jesus Christ. It means do what you should do in response to understanding the truth about the greatness of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, which is exactly what happened when they understood the greatness of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, when truth was taught by Peter in that service, they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, real simple, the first, the only, the logical step for you to do in response to the greatness of the Savior is repent. That means to turn from living your way and receive his gift of salvation, receive the gift of forgiveness of sins by placing your faith in Christ Jesus. And then we see in verse 41, so those who accepted, that's past tense, that means they did what Peter said to do. They repented. So those who accepted his message, they accepted the message. What was the message? It was the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and salvation is available for all who will receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. So those who accepted his message, those who were saved were what? 
baptized after salvation. Baptism is not salvific. It is obedience after salvation. They were baptized. Then what happened? That day about 3,000 people were added to them. So what do we see happening here in this amazing scene? We find that about 3,000 people on that day repented of their sins. They believed in and received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. They followed that belief with believer's baptism by immersion. And they joined the first church in Jerusalem. All on one day. That's a full day of ministry. That's a full month of ministry. That's a full year of ministry. One day. One day. How awesome is our God? Our God is an awesome God. Amen? How awesome is our God? So follow me now. Repent was the message. John the Baptist, repent was the message of Jesus. Repent was the message of Peter, the disciples. The fourth point is repent is our message today. Repent is our message today. After Jesus Christ rose again on the third day, he went to his disciples and he began to meet with those men and women. And what did he do? The scriptures tell us that, that he showed him his hands and his feet and that, that he showed him his side and, and he ate with them. He actually ate some fish from uh, the Sea of Galilee. He ate some fish there and, and the whole reason he was doing this was he was helping them to understand. He was convincing them and making sure they realized and understood Jesus had done what he said he would do. He gave his life for them on the cross of Calvary and he rose again on the third day. That he was alive. He wanted them to understand he was alive. And then as he did this, we find this passage in Luke chapter 24. The gospel of Luke, as you see the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all agree with what we see happening here. And in Luke 24, this amazing scene is unfolding. It's after Jesus has risen from the dead. It's before Jesus and ascended into heaven. And here's what he says. Uh, Luke wrote in verse 45, then Jesus opened their minds. There it is again. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Hey, listen, we can't understand this word in and of ourselves, in and of our own minds. We gotta have the Holy Spirit of God to open our minds to this word. And when the Holy Spirit of God opens our minds to this word, it will, and it will change our lives. And the truth of the matter is we will be set free by the truth of God's word. We'll be empowered to live it out because the Holy Spirit of God not only opens our minds to understand the word, he empowers us to obey the word, Amen. And so he again continued, and here's what Jesus said. This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. He's referring back uh, to Old Testament prophecy. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Listen, the message, look at what he says here. Look, don't miss it. Verse 47, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. It started in Jerusalem with Peter and the disciples, but he said it would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That's us. We're in the scriptures. This is our calling. This is for you and me. 
Repent is our message to share with people today. We are responsible to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus to all nations. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. That's our privilege. This is our joy. This is our blessing. Praise God, the Holy Spirit empowers us to share this amazing message. Our message that we get to share to all those God places around us here and literally to the nations is repent. Repent is the message of God's forgiveness of our sins in Jesus. Repent is the message of God's grace for us in Jesus. Repent is the message of God's love for us in Jesus. Repent is the message of God's mercy for us in Jesus. Repent is the message of God's salvation of us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Shout hallelujah if you want to shout hallelujah. Listen. This is serious. People will spend eternity in hell separated From the Father, suffering the torture, the torment of the fires of hell, if they don't repent. And receive the Savior Jesus. This is why Jesus said, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is why Jesus gave his life for us. To give us life today. Listen, the light has dawned. The Savior has come. The cross has been defeated. The tomb is empty. The case has been made. The evidence is in. Jesus Christ is alive. And He is the Savior. He is the one through whom we have access to a relationship with God the Father. There is a reason why Jesus preached the first sermon and His first topic was repent because everything else makes sense once we have repented from our sins and received his gift of salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. That must come first. And so repent is our message to share today with those that God places around us. Let me just encourage you this morning. If you're here this morning, you've not yet received God's gift of salvation by placing your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, then I pray that Almighty God has shined the light of the Savior Jesus into your life and such a way that 
here and right now you see the Savior Jesus in a way maybe you've never seen him before so that you can do what others have done before so that you can repent of your sins so that you can confess them to God so you can receive Jesus Christ in your life to be your Lord and Savior right here right now salvation can come to you at this very moment but let me also encourage you if you are my brother and sister in Christ Jesus If you have that relationship with God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I encourage you, repent from your sins. Confess them to God right here and right now so that you can continue living your life for Christ Jesus. Because remember, as Jesus said, repent. That's a command to obey day by day, every day, all throughout the day. Repent your sins. Confess them to God. Forsake them. And walk in the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. Proclaiming the truth of Jesus to all those he places around you. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. I'll worship you.